Welcome back. We are here for another TME podcast in the war room light, as it were. Uh, I am Colin Walker, as is often the case, and I'm here with uh, basically the whole team. So we're going to go around again quickly, like we always do, and tell you who we are. Ryan. Chris. No jam. Brent. Terry. So we are all here. Uh, Today we're going to talk about some cool stuff, but first and foremost... I'd like to get it out of the way. We would like to deeply apologize for being completely and utterly scatterbrained last time. Anybody that listened to the last podcast knows that we were a little bit taken aback by the F-18 Hornets flying what seemed like five feet from our windows. They were While sort of, touching each other in midair. It was, it was amazing. It was very special. It's like Top Gun, if, you, if you've seen it. It was way cooler than Top Just, Gun. There was no volleyball scene. Okay, guys, rub it in. I was here. Thank you. Yeah, no, Thank sorry. You. No, it's no, the closest I've ever been. I, I don't mean to rub it in, but it was awesome. I hate you all. Yeah, no, they, kept, right. they kept buzzing the Space Needle. Yeah. It was yeah. just like, yeah. Wow. It was, it was pretty no, incredible. No, no, no. We got derailed so many times. I will so fun to I'll watch. Go watch it on the podcast. It, right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was super fun to watch, but perhaps not the best for an audio-only format. So, you know, in case you're out there listening, wondering why the heck we were distracted, sorry. We're, we're sorry and we're back. Um, but because it has only been a week since our last episode, I don't think anybody's done any traveling or any major events or things to offer. I'm looking around. No, no one. Okay, so we're going to... We're boring. We're boring? We're boring this week. So we're going to dive back in. Uh, This week we're going to pick back up in our series talking about the four sources of data. Uh, And this week we're talking about agent data. So we're going to pick somebody randomly from around the room (laughs) to describe what an agent is. Yeah, so um, uh, this is Chris. Uh, Agent data, when we talk about it... uh, we're not talking about agents, so there's some confusion in uh, our messaging and just messaging in the monitoring industry. Um, when you talk about agents, a lot of times people are talking about pieces of code running on a host to collect information. And this really can actually mine many different types of data, um, be it you have an agent that's collecting log files, for example, or you have a piece of code like RPCAPD, which is a tool that we use here at ExtraHop, um, which is actually just forwarding packets. Or um, SNMP. Or SNMP. Those are all pieces of code running on a host. Well, when we talk about agent data, that is entirely separate. It's not uh, uh, referring to a script running. It's talking about something that has access to the heap, to the stack, of a process running on a host. So, for example, bytecode instrumentation, actually being able to pull out specific processes and how long specific function calls are taking um, from that actual process. Right, does that make sense? Does to me. Cool, cool, cool. Anybody have something to add to that? I I have a question to add to that. Um, So you're talking about things like running within the call stack. Does that include, or how would a database profiler, would that be machine data or agent data? I think it would be agent data, because it's yeah. like it's it's instrumenting the database rather than just observing what it's doing. It's actually like part of it, looking at how it's operating. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if the profiler is doing actual timing on the calls and procedures and whatnot, yeah. then that qualifies for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, and I think some of the, so I think database profilers is an excellent example of one. I think uh, other examples are things that tie into a JVM or a .NET stack. Um, Those are really, really common, although we're starting to see more on PHP and Python 
Mm -hmm. um, we're actually seeing a lot of different languages. Yeah, C++. Yeah. Flip that around. Our real user monitoring solution <clears throat> actually kind of has an agent running on the client. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's instrumenting JavaScript via, via Boomerang. Yeah, although, although we've debated this too. It, and this is where uh, the uh, differentiation between the data sources gets fuzzy because, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's actually pulling data from an API in the browser. Right. Right. All modern browsers implement the same timing API, and Boomerang is just interrogating that. In which case, hmm. it's not actually. It's more like collecting logs. Yeah. It's, it's, the browser is already producing that data, and Boomerang just queries I gotcha. that API. I see where you're where you're coming from there. Yeah. So. Again, there's gray areas. The conversation between, gets sticky. Yeah, <laughs> all of these different data sources. Sure, um, but one of the I think super useful things about this, and again, when we talk about this ITOA architecture, where you need all of these different data sources, um, if you take wire data or machine data, you don't get access to those specific function calls. You don't know that, like, say I'm a developer. Well, when I make this specific call to this system call, that it takes 10 milliseconds, and that's where the bottleneck in my application is, right? Right, you know that the entire round trip or the request or whatever that API call may have been from an external source to your actual application, you know that that took n milliseconds or whatever the timing is, but you don't know what caused that particular delay, right? right? right. You don't get the granularity of finding out system resource calls and that kind of thing. Yeah, and you can turn on things like uh, if you have debugging tools on, or I mean, as a developer, uh, developer tools have this all the time. Um, if it throws an error, do a stack trace dump. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's fairly common, but again, when it's not airing out, it's just slow. Well, that's where these tools come in, especially useful. Sure. Yeah. Cool. So uh, we talked about it, not last time, the first one of these things, but so we kind of talk about this model of four sources of data, uh, agent data being one of them, and now we've kind of defined what agent data is. We talked a lot about um, uh -oh, synthetic data the, the last time mm -hmm. uh, and kind of the pros and cons and pitfalls and times to use it and times not to, and all that kind of stuff. So let's do a, a kind of a similar thing here. Um, actually, sorry, before... How dare you, sir? Sorry, before how dare you? we get to that point, um, I realized that it, I used a lot of words that might not have meaning to people. Can someone actually define the stack and the heap in a easy, digestible way? I can, I can take a swing at that. <laughs> so when a computer program starts to run, it needs memory and it has its own address space that when it says give me address foo, it can, it can get that and that's different from another process's address foo. They're, so it's, it's segmented and that memory gets chopped up into different pieces. And two of those, there's, there's other ones that can be called the, the heap and the stack. The heap is used for getting data that it needs to you know grow or need lots of it but it doesn't know how much it needs at that time it can give it back it's flexible it's it's flexible whereas the stack is used for data that you need right at that given time and you don't need it after that and it's also used for this is getting really into the weeds now but when you have when you make other function calls those function calls use the stack for storing like how to get back to the caller and storing the arguments and all that kind of stuff 
Um, so it's basically just another way to organize memory to enable a computer program to, to call functions and that sort of thing. Kind of one of the ways I've always, totally agree, one of the ways I've always kind of tried to think about it, and this is super, super rough and high level, not details about how they get used at all, but it's the stack is very much used to define and track order of operations and, and uh, things that are occurring. And then the heap is kind of the more open sandbox where you dump yeah. the dump the information about what is happening in those steps, right? Is that yeah. roughly accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we know what a heap and a stack is now, which is awesome. Uh, but agent data. Uh, who has a story to share about experience with agent data? Pros, cons, otherwise. Nojan is raising his hand. Let's do this. Yeah. Um... You know, the awesome thing about the new world of agent data and some of the companies out there like New Relic, MapDynamics, the things that are so awesome is that within a few seconds, you can be instrumenting your application. So uh, you tell it what kind of language you're using, whether it's Java or PHP. They give you the agent you install it, they tell you how to install it in right. your application, and as soon as your application is restarted, you're collecting information. Mm -hmm. And the timing that Chris mentioned, where your users are coming from, you're even getting information about how long the database connections took, not right. from the database's perspective, but from the app's perspective. So it's really fast return on information uh, from a developer's perspective, it but, you have to now do that for your entire stack. Right. So if you have a dev environment... And by boom. stack, you mean a different kind of stack. Right. <laughs> now I'm talking about the deployment stack, the application stack. The dev environment, boom, you're up and running. Right. In the production side, it's a little bit more complicated. Much more complicated. Be right. right. And actually, I think that's a really good point. Um, and I'll say there's... I think the evolution into agent data started on the developer side. Definitely. And I think you still see elements of that where in DevOps and like fast, rapid prototyping. Um, I mean, I think a prime example is in Heroku, um, which is a PaaS, uh, sorry, platform as a service. Um, you can get New Relic with a checkbox. Yep. Right. Um, yep. But again, it's you don't have access to the underlying infrastructure, so mm -hmm. scaling that up, you start introducing some scaling issues. Well, like you said, issues. this stuff, I, I think you're absolutely right that this stuff, the concept of agent-based data started very much from the developer's side of things. You know, yeah. you're, you're writing the code. You mentioned it earlier in your description of how this stuff works, talking about instrumenting things like stack traces and that, all that kind of stuff if there are errors. This is basically an always-on version of that kind of thing, right? It's not exactly the same, obviously, but it's the same concept where mm -hmm. at all times I want to be tracking what is actually happening in my application. I want to be aware of what that's doing and the impact it is has. It, is it generally it always on? So I actually don't, I, don't know. It, yeah, it, it, is, uh, it, it is, but at scale, sometimes you have to sample yep. instead so, of getting all the data. There, so you that's, take that's one an of important every thing. Is there actually, there's definitely 10, a performance impact to running an that's agent. That's where I was actually going. You, yeah, yeah, you don't get it for free. Yeah, that's where I was going, right? Is, Absolutely, and I was heading that direction, which is that it started out as the idea of you know checking for things when there's an error. It went to the point of people say, "Hey, this would be interesting information to have all the time, so I can see what I'm waiting on and who's slowing me down, and all that kind of stuff." And so they implemented always on, and then we get to this place where you guys were just both saying 
in dev it's one thing, in prod it gets a little bit more sticky. In prod you start worried about things like performance impact and overhead yeah. and scalability mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Well, and, At mean, which the, point the these technologies thing, can't just always sit running, right? And the, you know? the beauty of agents for me too is um, how simple they are now. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I still carry around two cheat sheets. One is for GDB and one is for Java. And it's how you like invoke. in your wallet or something. Well, <laughs> it's in a it's in a notebook okay. that I haven't it's opened in a long time. But I, I I cherish that little piece of paper because it's it's the cheat sheet of how to run the GCC debugger. Um, you know what are the commands I need to get the stack and the heap for any you know the C or C plus wow. plus apps. You're in the pocket of his members only jacket. You know yeah. well, <laughs> that thing has saved my bacon a lot. You know, when the, you get that call and you're completely stuck and you have no, but you know, that's all, like, you, nobody does that anymore, no, right? No I mean, it's it's black magic. They're written down in little pieces of paper. Uh, the agent is breaking <laughs> Brent, it down Brent's for you. making faces. Brent has it tattooed on his forearm. I <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ran GDB in a month at least. <laughs> I'm making numbers only jokes. He's like, it's been like three weeks. <laughs> 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 so I got one other thing to say about agents that's not a downside, but actually a really good side. And I'll admit this is something that, that wire data struggles to do sometimes. So one thing that's really useful to do with agent data is, so let's say you want to, you, you see a web transaction come in and it makes a number of, it causes a couple of other fan out messages. Maybe there's a DNS lookup or two, an LDAP lookup, a database lookup. And you want to tie all those together to say this this whole thing constitutes the parts of one transaction. Right. With wired data, you can do that only if there's something identifiable about those subsequent fan out messages that you can tie them back to the original one. Sometimes there it's there, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you can do it via like a heuristic where you say at about the same time these things happen, therefore we're going to assume they were tied in, but you don't actually really know. Well, when you're running in the call stack, you, you see all that. You know this transaction caused these things to go out. And you can tie them all together and get all that, all that meaningful information about that. Um, and you don't have to worry about is there a unique identifier that you can trace across those different tiers because you're actually seeing the, the calls being made across it. So those uh, relationships well, are very, very yeah, but I will. Yeah, flip side of that. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say there's a performance impact to that. Not sure. Not in the effect on the application, but on generating those metrics. It takes time to make that correlation, mm -hmm. uh, especially between, I mean, again, these are separate processes. The agent data is individual code running on all of these different servers. Uh, a lot of these new solutions, these uh, agent data 2.0, whatever, um, are all SaaS based. So there's a correlation step which means a lot of times you're not operating in real time. Or near yep. close. Or even yep. close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get near real time, like five minute delay is acceptable. Mm -hmm. it, acceptable for in the Asian world. Yeah. In the Asian world, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Um, but there is delay. And it's, yeah. it's also you certainly true that, so I'm, I'm always careful not to tell customers what they want. Customers know what they want. But oftentimes when you hear somebody say, well, I really want to tie all the things for just each transaction together rather than having the, the tiers as a, as a whole, um, you might not actually really benefit from having that. Very often so, you don't really want that. Yeah, is it, is it neat to see it? Yeah, and sometimes it really does help you solve your problem, but it doesn't, by itself, it's not, it's not the answer to everything. Right. So if you ever find yourself 
thinking you want that, take another thought about it. Maybe you do, but it might just seem cool and you don't actually really benefit from the, it. The chances that you're going to fix Joe Schmo's one failed transaction yeah. are slim. Yep. Instead, right. you care about, well, each tier is acting in a specific way. Well, and well and before we tangent off that, yeah. the, um, back to the kind of agent plus, I mean, the flip side to that, besides performance too, is any place you don't have agents. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You're completely blind. Are, you're completely blind yep. too. So you may see the DNS call that's going out, but you're not going to see like the app server where you don't have an agent or yep. the load balancer that doesn't allow you to mm -hmm. install an agent or uh, and your you know, entire network. The network like. stack. the And then other, I mean, what we hear over and over again uh, talking to developers is I've got this great profile of all my apps but my team has profiled it. I use all these APIs that haven't profiled, and I don't even have access to those profiles, mm -hmm. even if they did. And it's some downstream or upstream failure. I'm completely blind. And this is just one more example of why you really need to consider your whole strategy for how you're gathering data. If you're only ever getting one source, you're not you're not getting enough, probably. Yeah. Um, and, right. And, and you know, we are pretty upfront about being wired data lovers here, but I don't think any of us at this table would say you need one source and it's wired data. You need a mix of this stuff to get a full picture of what you're doing, right? I mean, Yeah, like we were talking about, okay, maybe with wired data you can reduce your reliance on synthetic. Sure. Um, you're still going to use it, but maybe you don't need it as much. Sure. Um, and then with agents, it's how do you, what do you profile? How much do you profile? Maybe you take a sample. Yeah. Uh, well, because how do you marry it with Synthetic and agent. exactly, Mary is the right word, I think, because agents, the agent data can provide a lot of things that nothing else can. We talked a lot about that mm -hmm. already, right? Mm -hmm. The actual profile of what the application is doing and what errors may have happened internally or what it's waiting on, or all that kind of stuff. But then there's these huge holes that it lacks completely. Like you're saying if there isn't an agent, or right. even well, things, it, is, it inherently has the same problem with synthetic data, right? If you don't, if you if you forgot to cover some area, yeah, then you know, what, well, what do you do then? Not only if you forgot to cover some area, but if you cover every area, now it's massively complex. And how much extra load, even if it's only a two or three percent uptick in load, which is probably generous, um, times how many servers, times you know all of that kind of stuff. Plus, very simple things like, okay, and I dealt with this previous life quite often. It's the whole, okay, my application made an API call off to some other resource, and it was slow. It's their fault. Mm -hmm. Okay, well. Yeah. Is it? And if so, was it that their API was slow, or was your network to your egress router slow, or was the response like, mm -hmm. where was it slow? In what way was it slow? Were there dropped packets? Was it a bad call? Did you get a bad response that you interpreted wrong? Did you? Yeah. There's all of this information that you don't know, except for the fact that this call took n milliseconds or whatever it was yeah. to return, right? Like. So I've got a question, and not to put you on the spot, Terry, but um, you know, a lot of the agents work in. And I think the popularity of them, like you, you said, Chris, is not necessarily open source, but more of the modern stacks. Um, what about the commercial software world? Like, and I'm thinking of healthcare. You know, people are running the Epics and the Cerners and things like that. Are there agents that are specifically made for like healthcare apps, or have you run across that? I'm I'm not sure to be honest. Um, I know that a lot of times they're able to extract stuff out from the interfaces themselves um, that are passing that data along, but I don't really think that that would be necessarily an agent. 
I mean, um, well, all the all the big installations, Epic, certain, I don't know what certain, Epic does. So they're all backed by massive databases. I guarantee you they have profilers on those. But that's just on the database. Right. right? But well, just like Terry's well, I mean, You don't take, actually know within the within those applications. Well, I don't know. I mean, like so the, web, like, the web spheres and the web logics of the world, like you can turn those things right. on. They're really expensive right. CPU-wise. I mean, it's terrible. Right. But uh, also commercial applications. So you're talking about Epic or Cerner, right. like things that are truly uh, like an application. So you said they are running profilers, I think. The oh, I was talking about there, the, the databases that are back to those things. Sure, okay. But it, I guess in general, commercial software, no company is going to let you run a profiler against their proprietary code. Well, uh, unless they provide true. it themselves. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, what if it's it, which, written in Java or .NET or yeah, something like that? Then just, you can take it off the shelf. So I mean, should. okay. I would say that... Well, I guess you better have a good point. It's the support implications. You know, you... You, you're, you install something, let's say it's Java, and then you have a problem and you call up and it turns out you're running that agent. Yeah. I'm sure the first thing they're going to ask you to do is turn that agent off. Or any right. self-contained application or any, I mean, right. the chances that they want you doing that as opposed to call one of our engineers, call one of our support guys, mm -hmm. and we'll do all of that. It's like you. tampering with the warranty. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I guess it's, it is interesting that you haven't even run across it in that space. Like you don't, it's, you're not going up against like agents. Well, frankly, we've, we've, we've heard so much from our customers that they find in healthcare environments, especially their data is in silos that they can't always get to. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe there are some agents, but it doesn't seem like to, to me that that they're really playing in the ecosystem that we are where we're trying to free your data and combine with uh, with other sources. Yeah. If they are doing it, right. they're they're sitting on it. Well, yeah. I think, and maybe I'm making a massive leap here, so somebody correct me if I'm just talking incorrectly, but I think most agents are very, very focused on dealing with the health of the application in which they are monitoring, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I, I am tied to a given app stack, and that is the thing I care about. Yep. It is not nearly as often their focus to be concerned with full lifecycle application delivery of like I am using multiple apps to deliver a an experience to a user, yeah. whether it's the healthcare example where, you know, you're trying to get somebody checked in and processed and monitor health and then checked out and all that kind of stuff. There's individual agents for each small module of that experience and they all kind of do their own thing and monitor just that. Is that yeah. fair to say? I which, think, so. which, which then means it's relatively tough to use an agent to get a holistic picture of how things work these days, given how distributed applications are, right? They're all over the place. In the like ITOA toolbox, I think agent data is your microscope. Yeah. Right? It, it's mm, the thing where yeah, you have yeah. a very, very specific problem. It's inside the actual code. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, then, of course, you want to pull something out that can break open that code. Yeah. So a troubleshooting path Some might go, you know, you're alerted to an issue. You know, you, you take a, you may start with wire data, take a whole, like, take, take in the entire environment, see that the spike has happened on a particular app server. Then you may go and then drill down using the agent data yeah. or then maybe take a look at logs or whatnot. That's yeah. really good. Microscope. I like Microscope. that a lot. And now, now, now I'm wondering what wire data would be. Would it be... A would it be binoculars or would it be a telescope? Or 
Like something that like has panoramic, a lot more uh, uh, room, like the ten thousand to. It's the hot air balloon. It's like sure. a Hubble, like <laughs> it's like the Hubble telescope. It's sure. Sure. It's a CIA spy telescope. It's not. Spy the, oh, we're not going there. <laughs> no, let's not make that analogy. It's not the perfect <laughs> analogy though, because you can drill down all the way into the packet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that's right. why it's but a spy satellite because it. You're, it is. That's but, that's right. Yeah. So, but I like, getting, I like, uh, let's take the word spy out. But let's say an imaging satellite, so, right? Sure. Like if, if yeah. can, can either take super broad pictures, give you the lay of the land, and tell you where you might need to focus, or with an advanced enough one, you can really it can really zoom in and tell you what and side of the coin is facing their yeah. shoulder while they're sitting outside. Well, I think that's the difference, right? <laughs> with agent data, you you're limit. You're, that's it. It's the microscope. You're only the microscope. Right. You're right, never right, right. going There's out. Almost no zoom function. Well, with the wire data, it has the zoom function. By a lot, by, by, a by lot. orders of right. magnitude. Right. One of the things that, that impressed me the most about wire data um, before I even joined the team, and certainly since being on the team, is the breadth of scale. Right, so I can look at things from a super high level. I don't know what I'm looking for yet, but I know there's a problem somewhere. Mm-hmm. Can you give me some indicators? All the way down to I want to see this particular packet at this particular time right. from this particular device on this particular protocol, like mm-hmm. just really drill in and get exacting information about what's happening. I think that's fantastic. And then you can pull out your age and actually go down and say, okay, what was the memory state? Yeah, two levels further. On right? the, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. that works. And I, I think too, so thinking about it, not just what you can see, but the actual use cases that it applies to. Um, and obviously, agent data, as we mentioned, comes from the developer world. So debugging and yeah. like finding hotspots in your code, perfect use cases. But I think something where it's going to be really lacking, for example, is security. Like, oh, yeah. It, you, it's not tied into anything other than the actual application stack. So if you have a new process running on the system, your agent isn't going to find that. Unless, of course, I mean... There are security type agents. Well, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, ultimately, um, from a security perspective, any agent that's there, you can't trust. If you've had a security incident, yeah, the agent is suspect. They yeah, they're they're not without value in those situations, right. but you definitely have to consider the data you're getting. So, yeah. whereas you know, I think the contrast to that is uh, the wire, the the nature of where wire data is collected. Sure. It's independent. I think where Chris was going, I, I, I'm going to jump here and don't know if I was right because I was going the same place mentally, which is, so an agent is actually really, really great if the security breach is targeting the application that the agent is monitoring. That's fantastic. It can tell you a lot about it, what's happening, who's trying to access Until it gets compromised and then you can't trust it. Until it gets compromised and then it's useless. But where it's, even before it's compromised where it's useless is if somebody is trying an attack vector that does not directly involve that application. If it's the server that app is on, if it's the you yeah. know that kind of stuff, right? Then then it's useless. If someone's trying to brute force into your SSH while your agent is monitoring the the node stack, like right. it has no idea what's happening, right? That kind of stuff. Well, it, it would still it would give you visibility that you might not always have with wire data though, because like if if the agent is monitoring the code paths that are being executed and suddenly there's a there's a heap overflow and you start running code that you never ran before because it was sure. injected, like you could see that with sure, the yeah. agent. They're um, attacking the application. If it targets yeah. the application or the stack that it's monitoring, it's invaluable, right? Mm-hmm. But if they're taking something out of band, if they're, you know, if you're running a node-based uh, web application and they're targeting SSH or you know Telnet or mm-hmm. protocols that don't involve that st- stack, 
applied. You yeah. may see a spike in CPU that the app would register, but it would sure. be very difficult. Super vague. Very, very Super difficult. Vague. Right. And, and again, I guess I should take a step back and say that isn't to say that there aren't security-focused agents. Of course. And I think... Of course. FireEye. Uh, Tripwire. Trip so, yeah, yeah Tripwire. Like, right where there. you're actually executing just random executables and watching what they do to computer state. I mean, that is a perfect example of an agent, but... But, going back to the microscope analogy, that means now you have to have an agent to monitor both your application and the security of your overall system, and the, those things get more and more complex, right? We're talking about microscope versus the satellite view that can zoom into you know near microscope levels. Yep. I dig wire data because it can do both all at the same time pretty easily. Well, it sounds like, I mean, to me, it sounds like we had uh, maybe a little bit more, we would place agent data maybe a little bit above synthetic data. As far as usefulness? Right. Personally, I would. Like, I, I don't know if we need to go around the room and vote, but I think the consensus is generally we would. I, and to me, I'll give the brief reason why. Like, I think it is far more complementary to the other powerful forms of data, right? Like, I think all of the sources are great. I have a particular love for wire data, which isn't shocking, but I think that the agent data complements that very, very well. Like we said, it's that Absolutely. last mile microscope mm -hmm. that really none of the other sources there's can a, touch. There's they're, a they're, lot of overlap with wire data and synthetic data, and, but there's not and wire a data lot of, data even, honestly. Right. Yeah, and there's not a lot of overlap between Anything wire data and, and agent data. Agent data, yeah. 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 Cool. Which, yeah, log data net for next time, I guess. Yeah. So last thoughts. We're going to wrap this thing up. Anybody, last thoughts? How this... Okay. So I think, Nojan, your comment here is a great place to wrap up. I'll just kind of restate it, which is um, we've talked a lot about what agent data is and isn't. We've talked about some uses for it, some pros and cons, that kind of thing. Um, and we certainly think there are tons of valid use cases for it, and it's a very, very powerful source of data. Part of why we think it is so powerful is that it is unique. It gives insight into things that nothing else can touch because it is instrumented alongside the actual application that's being run, etc. Um, so I, if I had to rank them so far as far as most useful and what I would lean, to, lean on first, I would certainly say personally, I think most of us agree that the actual agent data would be a little bit above the uh, synthetic data. Okay, so there you go. Go out. Check your agents, check what you can and can't see, comment, love, talk to us, etc., etc. Uh, we'll be back again the next time we are doing uh, machine data. So we're talking all about logs and whatnot, uh, the things that we all know and love from many, many days of digging through them. Uh, <laughs> yes, so I love all those logs. Don't we all? Uh, okay, so until next time, thank you all very much, and we'll talk to you later. No idea what that we just had a string cheese. So is Dave's Insanity. So is Dave's Insanity sauce. So you get it from my fridge. See how many chips you put in your mouth at the same time. Oh, it's true. I know we're recording right now, but what are we talking about today? Do a headstand or something. They'll see it. It'll be awesome. The top of my ass closed. You can't. Now, is this like seven or eight? This will be eight. Is it right. eight or nine? Engineer eight, eight, or is it eight eight? Engineer eight. Right, so cool. it's the, the ninth episode. We okay. started at zero because number fucking numbers. Because dude. number nine.